This is Transformation Ground Control. Your source for all things business, technology, strategy, and change. If you're growing your business, leading change within your organization, or undertaking any sort of operational or technology change initiative, this podcast is for you. This show covers what you need to know about digital transformation, organizational change, operational improvement, and business growth. Five, four, three, two, one. And now, here's your host, Eric Kimberly. Welcome to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 114. This is the podcast that has everything to do with digital transformation, including the strategy, people, process, and technology aspects of change. My name is Eric Kimberling. I'm the CEO of Third Stage Consulting. We're an independent consulting firm that helps clients throughout the world reach their third stage of success. And with me on today's show, as always, is Kyler Cheatham. Kyler, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. And uh, I think you were on holiday last week on, on a family break. So it's good to have you back. And I'm not having to do the solo. So I really appreciate that. And, uh, and yeah, you're well rested from that break now, too. Yeah, well, well rested with two toddlers is um, relative. <laughs> but, right. but we had a great time. Thanks. Thanks as for rested that. as you can be. Yeah, right. <laughs> great. Well, we have, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to cover a few different topics here today. We're going to start off in the opening segment. We're going to cover some questions and answers or questions from the audience. And uh, we're also going to talk about uh, ChatGPT in the context of South Park. There's a, a recent episode of the animated comedy, which we referred to a couple episodes ago for another topic. Um, this seems to be an animated comedy that is on top of the technology world uh, lately, or uh, at least covering the technology world. So popular American TV show called South Park. Um, had a whole episode dedicated to chat GPT. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And in that opening segment, we're also going to talk about IT leadership lessons from astronauts, which is very fitting given the space theme and analogy or metaphor for transformation ground control uh, in this podcast. So we'll be curious to get into those topics. And then later in the show, we're going to have Chiara Munoretto joining us from the Netherlands via Italy. Uh, she's originally from Italy. She's based in Netherlands now, and she's going to be chatting with us about chat GPT and AI and uh, some emerging technologies beyond that, but mainly chat GPT and AI are what we're going to talk about later in the show. And then finally, our, our third segment, we'll have um, Dominic Lynn from Third Stage Consulting Europe is going to be on with Kyler talking about uh, a maritime case study. So a digital transformation case study that uh, we've gone through with one of our clients. He's going to share some of his lessons learned uh, in that conversation with Kyler later today. So before we get to our guests, though, just a couple of logistical things, new episodes every Wednesday. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, streaming every Wednesday or and or you can find it on audio podcast platforms throughout the world. So be sure to subscribe to us if you don't already on whichever platform you prefer to listen to or watch uh, podcasts. So all that being said, let's uh, get into some of the, the questions you've got from the audience here today, Kyler. Absolutely. Well, these questions are directly from Eric and Third Stage social media channels. Uh, so if you do have a question you want us to feature on the show, you can either pop it in the comments right now, or you can um, go ahead and post it on any of our social media channels, um, and we'll hopefully get to it and address it. So let's get into it. Um, so this one is actually from your ProSci video um, that you talked about was, is that worth the cost? And for those of you that 
don't know what ProSci is, it's a um, change management um, plan tool type of thing, um, strategy. So this comment said, in leading large change, ProSci was the standard, but it's really not agile or nimble enough to fit a very disruptive organization. So in just kind of morphing that question, talking about utilizing templated change management tools, can you help us understand some of the pros and cons um, of ProSci and what you might react to that comment? Sure. Well, I think, first of all, ProSci provides a really good foundation and a starting point for change management, certainly well beyond what most people's instincts might lead them to in terms of a change management strategy. So I think it's great to provide some structure um, some repeatable processes, a tool set, that sort of thing. I think it's a, it's a great starting point. But I think the challenge is, and I think what this person is alluding to, is it's not a one-size-fits-all silver bullet that's going to solve all your problems. I mean, ultimately, um, what we find is most organizations need something a bit more prescriptive, and you kind of have to know how to apply that tool set in a tailored way to any given change situation. So in other words, it's uh, not something you can just take off the shelf or out of the box and just deploy it as is you want to, you know, use, use some, um, uh, intelligence to sort of modify it or tailor it to fit any given situation. So I think good starting point, but you really want to augment it with other tools and it's not the end all be all that some may think it is. And it's certainly not, um, you know, one size fits all by any means. Absolutely. And if you have questions about change management, shameless plug here, we will link our, um, our guide to change management, which is a free download. Like Eric's saying, great foundational piece, but needs a prescriptive approach to match the overall culture of the organization. Ooh, this is a good one. I was hoping we'd get to this one. Um, so this one, this one um, is a question about your soft skills versus hard skills video. This user wants to know which is more important in a digital transformation. It seems like it used to be hard skills, but now all I see is about soft skills and the people side of transformation. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we tend to emphasize that as well. We, in the, these podcasts, for example, in these discussions, we end up talking a lot about change management. We talk to our clients a lot about change management and we tend to come at things from a soft side first perspective in many ways, but at the same time, you don't want to be dismissive of the technical and some of the hard sides of transformation. I mean, that stuff's important too. Um, certainly, you need to have the right technical competencies and you need to deploy technology in a way that's, um, you know, not only modernized, but actually works for your business. And I think, you know, the other hard side of cha change or transformations is going to be um, process improvements, you know, really rolling up your sleeves and defining what that future state is and how, improve, or how your processes are going to change. So, you know, you want to mix, you want a combination of all the above. It's just that most organizations focus way too much on the technical side and maybe the hard side and not nearly enough on the soft side or the change management, human sides of, of change. So I think it's, it's a matter of finding that right balance and knowing how, you know, what that proper recipe is, if you will, uh, of the mix between the hard and the soft. And, and they're both important. You just need a, a good balance. Yeah, and maybe an assessment of what your business needs, because um, it might be different, that balance, depending on what your competencies are internally. So, Yeah, that's well said. I mean, some organizations just naturally are better at change and the human sides of things than others. I mean, I'd say most aren't very good or they're not as good as they think they are, but some are better than, than others for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is kind of a funny one, but a great question. Um, you recently did a video on healthcare systems, specifically um, what that means for digital transformation. 
Um, and this one says, my healthcare system sucks. <laughs> it's, it's only good for cl clinicians and not for administration. And the reason I chose this question is because I feel like it's a, a really good just general question of not only for healthcare, but that happens a lot when it may be a great fit for one piece of the business, but not a great fit for another. And healthcare is so complex. I thought I would just ask you kind of how you would respond to that. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you hear that comment a lot in a lot of industries, but healthcare, that's that's a comment we hear a lot is it seems like there's a um, there's a lack of systems that appeal to, you know, most of the organization. It seems like there's pockets that just have broken systems or whatever. Um, but I think it's a regardless of what industry you're in, I think it's a good reminder that you really want to focus on the the end users and, and the people that are actually going to be using the system day to day it gets easy to get caught up in the sort of the back end of things in terms of, you know, the outputs and at the executive level, can I see the reports I need and get the information I need, which is important. You need to satisfy executives and leadership and management, obviously, but a lot of times organizations overlook, you know, the mass population that's actually going to be using the system and providing those inputs into the back end stuff that executives are expecting to see. So it's a, it's a matter of really mapping out the entire journey, if you will, of how, end-to-end -end processes are going to work and making sure that you involve people, you understand the processes, you get their buy-in, where they aren't bought in or where they feel like it's a broken system, you know, how do you overcome that and make sure that you're you're sort of satisfying their needs. Um, so it sounds like in this case, this end user or this person uh, may not have had that in, in their organization and may not have been built to satisfy their needs or maybe they weren't trained properly or you know, whatever, maybe they don't have the tools that they need to do their job. So it's it's important to really keep an eye on those end users and not overlook them in the, in the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully that person's listening and you can reach out to third stage and we can help you map out those processes if needed. But it's what okay. we do. <laughs> this is, oh, this is a good one. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but I thought I'd pull this question on what are, what are some solutions for education specifically? This environment can be one of the hardest and challenging to change. Um, I know we've talked about that in higher education, but maybe you could talk to that about um, in secondary or elementary education. Yeah, so there's, um, you know, the, it back to the previous question too, it's, it, education is a good example of an industry where you commonly get systems that satisfy back office needs, but not necessarily, you know, students or the teachers or, you know, some of the frontline people that are, you know, actually the core of their, call it their product that they're delivering to their, to their communities. Um, so, you know, making sure you've got technology to satisfy that is, is important. It should be considered as part of your digital strategy and roadmap. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind in educational institutions or any industry where you have a highly educated workforce is you end up oftentimes finding that change is more difficult with highly educated people um, because they they're smart people and they know you know how they want things to work and they um, typically you know take a lot of pride in the individuality of their knowledge and that sort of thing and sometimes that can create um, not a resistance to change not an intentional resistance to change but more of a just a difficulty changing um, a lot of times people think that the more educated industries are going to find change to be easier. And we, have, we actually find that to be the opposite. You know, when you look at uh, like engineering firms or we've had, we've had clients where there's a lot of engineers or PhDs on staff. And a lot of times those people are, are more resistant to change because they're smart and they, they have higher expectations and there's a lot of reasons for it. But 
um, that's something to keep in mind in educational institutions. Change is hard in any organization, but some, sometimes the highly educated workforces are even harder to change along the way. Absolutely. Well said, definitely. Um, you have to know, have that awareness of what your organization looks like and understand what is needed on that side of change. So, yeah. um, so thank you for answering these questions. Again, just as a reminder, if you do pop questions in any sort of platform that you're joining from today, or if you comment on any of Eric's or third stage videos, social media platforms, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, we will Twitter, Instagram, we've got them all. And uh, if you comment, I will put them in the question jar and they will be in our, our cycle each week on ground control. So thank you for the audience um, for your great questions. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, um, we take those every week. So we look forward to future questions from the audience here. And thank you for those that have already submitted questions on social media along the way. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue the conversation though, and get into uh, some discussion around ChatGPT uh, on South Park, a recent episode of South Park, as well as IT leadership lessons from astronauts. We're going to cover that right uh, when we come back from a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. If you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstageconsulting.com. Transformation Ground Control, episode number 114. You can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on audio and video platforms throughout the world, wherever you listen or watch to podcasts, you can find us there. So be sure to subscribe and listen to us every week. Um, so you've got uh, some interesting uh, hot topics here today, Kyler, as far as uh, uh, South Park reference and IT leadership lessons from astronauts. What, what have you got for us here? Well, let's start with the South Park episode. Um, so a recent episode featured ChatGPT and OpenAI. And the interesting part about this episode is it's actually partly written by ChatGPT. Um, the, mm -hmm. And a lot of times industries or companies don't disclose the use of those content automation platforms. It's almost like a dirty little secret, but they actually wanted to see if ChatGPT could capture the voice and the tone that is utilized by South Park. And so with some tweaks, they were able to utilize the system to write the episode. <laughs> so that's right. kind of an, an interesting piece of that. So the episode centers around um, the elementary school kids in South Park that have started to utilize ChatGPT and a real life chatbot um, with OpenAI to write their essays. Um, and then most importantly, reply to their girlfriend's heartfelt messages. So there's a scene where they utilize um, 
chat GPT to tell their girlfriend, uh, hey, you know, I think you would look great in anything that you wear. It's always fun to mix up your style. I hope you have a great time. And it's a great efficiency for them in their relationship because of the volume of um, texts that they receive from their girlfriend. And it sounds like you actually tested this out in your own real life, Eric, <laughs> as well with yes. Kelly Kimberling, your wife. Yes. Yeah. We, I actually saw the episode. We were in the mountains on a, on a ski trip over spring break. And, uh, we, my kids now are teenage boys and they are enjoying South park. And for those of you that aren't familiar with South park, it's a, it's a comedy. It's an animated comedy, um, based in the United States. It's pretty popular in the United States where we're based. I don't know. I don't know how, what the global reach is of that show, but, um, it, it it's, a it's a, it's a great show. And so we had just watched that episode, uh, with chat GPT and, my wife saw bits and pieces of it. She got the general gist of what was happening. And so uh, later that same day, we were waiting for her down in the uh, lounge. We were having dinner and she was still getting ready. So I I, I asked ChatGPT to write, uh, I forgot what I entered, but it's something like write uh, my wife a text about running late, asking her to hurry up or something like that. And it gave me like five options, like five ways I could say it really nice and supportive, but also like very tactfully asking her to please hurry. And so I, I just sent her, you know, I cut and paste and, and sent her the text exactly as it was. In fact, I didn't even take out the part that says, you know, insert name here. I, I left that part just so she would you know, understand the humor of it. And she thought it was a really nice text. She's like, oh, I was a little disappointed because it was such a nice text. And I said, oh, <laughs> chat GPT. But it was very, what I did find is it had this like emotion to it, which, you know, which was kind of surprising, like it, not emotion, but like a, not heartfelt. I'm not sure what the right word is, but it was it didn't sound robotic at all. Like it didn't yeah. sound like an AI had come up with it. And it sounded much more sincere than anything I probably would have written to her. So <laughs> I, I found that to be the most interesting part of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which I don't know if that says more about ChatGPT or if it yeah. says more about me. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, it's definitely the, the tone of the over... And it's the same thing with the satire that is involved in South Park that ChatGPT was able to mimic mimic that um, in writing the episode. So the episode ultimately ends with um, Stan, one of the characters, um, standing up for his girlfriend that had been arrested for utilizing <laughs> OpenAI and ChatGPT on some of her schoolwork um, and kind of made a a pun at the big tech giants, which are going to buy up all of these open AI um, softwares and, um, and he kind of advocated for the ability to them live in harmony and it have the ability to have a place in education. Um, so that's how the episode ultimately ends. Um, but definitely a, a great kind of representation of chat GPT, not only in, um, pop culture, but also in the ability to write a South Park episode, which I think is pretty unique. Yeah, I was, I, that was surprised by that too. I actually remember when I watched it, I remember just rolling through the credits at the end and it says at the end, um, it was written by, you know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone and it said chat GPT, but I thought it was a joke. I didn't know they actually used chat GPT to write that episode. I thought they're just, you know, using that as sort of a joke at the end of the episode, but that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you haven't watched it, um, it's in season 26 of South Park. Um, you're able to find clips on YouTube and things like that. Um, the actual clip, if you want to see Stan uses open AI to save the day, he writes out what he's going to say, and then he goes in and says it. So chat GPT showed him how to save the day and save his girlfriend and his relationship. So it's just a, a great kind of overall funny 
play at the capabilities of automation and open AI systems. Right. And you know, when South Park or, you know, pop culture, oh, yeah. math media starts covering something like ChatGPT, you know, it's it's a pretty big deal at that point mm-hmm. when you start seeing that sort of mainstream acceptance or knowledge of a technology like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's move on to uh, some, it's three lessons that IT leaders can learn from astronauts about digital transformation. And, and um, obviously we have transformation ground control here, but our overall brand at third stage is the third stage of a rocket launch. Um, so astronaut space type of um, content fits well within our overall branding. So, yeah. So one of the first in here is um, know when to defy gravity, whether it's in space or IT. And what this refers to for an IT reference, obviously, we all understand the basic concept of of gravity and um, Earth pulling us down. Um, But data gravity refers to the phenomenon in which more data applications generate, the more they attract other data and applications. Um, which makes them challenging to manage, maintain, and move. Um, So over time, this can reduce the organization's range of options and ultimately stifle innovation because there's so much data coming from different places of the organization and different systems. Um, So that's that's one. Um, And then I'll just read them all to you, Eric, and then we can kind of react to what what your feedback is um, and if you have any more. But agility is key, whether you're in orbit or in the clouds. And you recently um, released a a video about um, agile approaches in specifically digital transformation, but also just the need to be flexible and nimble. And your strategy has to match your organization as well. Um, And then the third one is always look for ways to reduce risk. So obviously risk is in risk mitigation is a huge component of digital transformation, as well as floating in space where there is no oxygen. Um, so being able to fully understand your backup, maintain the life support for astronauts and the same with organizations um, and taking essential data or business critical applications offline and actually going through those scenarios, understanding the risks of going through a digital transformation, mapping out those processes so there's no business disruption, um, all those types of different things. So those are our three key strategies that we can learn from astronauts. So what what's your reaction to that or what's your feedback? Well, I love the you know, I love the metaphor. I mean, I'm biased, of course, because, you know, I named the company after a similar metaphor, you know, third stage of rocket launches and getting to that third stage of success. And um, I like the analogy or the metaphor that they're, you know, in this article that they're referring to as well, in terms of it, it being sort of a journey. And that's what a digital transformation is. It's a journey. You're fighting gravity, you're fighting inertia. Um, There's a lot of risk along the way. So I think you really recognizing what it is. I, I like that aspect of it. I mean, because when you talk about risk management, it's sort of an acknowledgement that there is a lot of risk in digital transformation, especially now, you know, the risks are actually increasing for organizations because technology is so advanced and it's advancing so fast and changing so fast and organizations are not changing as fast as technology is. So that chasm or that divide between technological change and people's ability to change is making digital transformation journeys a lot more difficult now than it already was just five or 10 years ago. So um, that's that's the first thing that comes to mind, but I think it's a great metaphor and it's easier to remember or think about um, some of the 
aspects of digital transformation when you think of it in the context of a metaphor, which is part of why, you know, we named the company after that's a similar metaphor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great article. And I, I love the aspect of too much data or too complex data, because I think we, you know, we're in a space right now within the industry, people can be obsessed with data, but it's not so much the data and it's more of the comprehension of the data and the ability to organize and effectively understand it to make strategic business decisions. So I thought that was a really interesting um, piece of that when I read it too, but an overall great metaphor. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like a great, great article and some good, good lessons we can all, all learn from and keep in mind as we go through our, our transformations. Um, well, good. Well, thanks for those, those hot topics. Those are great points of conversation and uh, hopefully that helps uh, shed some light on technological trends here in the industry today. Um, we're going to shift gears though and uh, keep talking about technology, of course, and digital transformation, but we're going to continue on this thread of ChatGPT and OpenAI. Uh, in other emerging technologies, but we're really going to hone in and focus on ChatGPT and artificial intelligence and how, you know, how is it transforming enterprises for the better, but also what are the dark sides and the risks and some of the societal impacts of AI and ChatGPT. So we're going to dive into that uh, here in just a moment. We're going to have uh, Chiara Munoretto from the Netherlands joining us. Um, she's originally from Italy. She's living now and going to university in the Netherlands right now. So we're going to um, have her on the show, and she's she's been on the show in the past. She's a great guest, very smart person, and she's going to be on here t- chatting about ChatGPT and artificial intelligence. So stay tuned for that. And then later in the show, we're going to have Dominic Lin on talking with Kyler about uh, digital transformation client case study uh, from one of our uh, current and ongoing uh, clients in Europe. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to either guest, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Kira. Uh, talking about ChatGPT, you're listening to Transformation Ground Control. Could you whisper in my ear the things you want to feel? Interested in working for a company that truly values your unique skills and experience? Here at Third Stage, we don't hire based on resumes alone. We look at the full candidate, experience, and willingness to provide excellent service for our clients. Within a technology independent and agnostic consulting firm, you have the opportunity to learn across industries with a diverse group of clients. Our consultants also have the opportunity to diversify their portfolio and learn across technology systems. If you're interested in joining a high growth entrepreneurial organization, please reach out to us at work at thirdstage-consulting.com. Welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 114. My name is Eric Kimberling here with Kyla Cheatham. Uh, you can find new episodes of this show every Wednesday on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, as well as audio podcast platforms throughout the world, whatever platform you're listening to podcasts on, you can find us there every Wednesday. So I'm excited for our next guest who has been on the show before. She was on actually just a, a few months ago. I think it was actually the first episode of the year, um, if I remember correctly. So it would have been right around episode 100. Um, she was on the show and um, talking about blockchain and Web3 and Metaverse. She, she was on talking about some emerging technologies a few months ago, but we thought it'd be great to have her back on the show again, this time to talk more about ChatGPT and artificial intelligence. So we're going to dive into that here uh, with her. So uh, Kiara, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, how should I have said your name? Maybe we could start there. Maybe because I, I like hearing it in your accent <laughs> much better than the way I said. Kiara Munaretto. Yes. So what she said, that's that's her name. That's much better said than the way I, I pronounce it. So 
Uh, great to have you here today, Kara. Uh, thank you for being here again uh, for a second time. Um, maybe just to get started, just drop in the, or, or let us know what um, a little bit about your background. What is it you do? How did you get involved in technology? What do you do within technology? All that good stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, my background is in marketing, actually, but I've always been into digital marketing, especially. And since two to three years, I've been pretty much involved in Web3 and specifically blockchain applications. So really try to understand how to bridge uh, Web2 with Web3, uh, mostly on the marketing and sales application. And on the other side, I focus on emerging technologies such as AI and AR and VR. Currently, I founded my first student association for Web3 here in the Netherlands, where I'm studying, and it's called Mustchain. So I can put the link later if you want to go and check what we are doing there. And aside that, I'm currently writing my thesis about supply chain integration with AI, blockchain, and Internet of Things to really try to see how we can better track and measure the carbon footprint inside supply chains. So I'm trying to get our knowledge in as many topics as possible, but mostly focusing on real use cases. Great. Well, that's that's great. It's such an exciting field that, that we're both in, but especially your focus on some of these really cool newer emerging technologies. That's got to be a fun job to, to really stay at the forefront of some of the some of the stuff, I would imagine. And especially with um, ChatGPT, this is a this is a uh, really hot thing right now. I can't remember the last time a technology came to the market with such force and momentum and something that's gone viral so fast. Um, it's been a long time. Even when I remember when Google came out um, back in the '90s, I remember when I first heard about Google and what a cool search engine it was. It was kind of a big deal then, but it doesn't feel like quite as big of a deal as even this. Um, and, and just to give some some preamble, maybe I'll ask you here in a second just to explain what ChatGPT is here in a moment, uh, Kiara. But if you look at um, you know if you look at even just pop culture right now in, in the media, there's so much coverage of ChatGPT. Um, for example, I was on an airplane last night traveling to where I am today in, in Florida, in the United States, and I was sitting next to a lady who was reading a Time magazine, and on the cover was an article about ChatGPT, and she was talking to her husband about ChatGPT. And so I started talking to her too, and it turns out she she owns an art museum here in Florida, coincidentally where I'm at today, um, that does AI that does AI for artwork. I'm gonna come back to that here in a moment, but it's, it's just very interesting that even the world of arts and business, commerce, all different areas are now um, really catching on to ChatGPT. And in fact, one other data point that I'll give you just to uh, share what a big deal ChatGPT seems to be becoming is uh, there's a popular TV show in the United States called South Park. It's like an animated comedy um, type of show. And they, they tend to cover a lot of things in pop culture and current events and that sort of thing. And they had a whole episode dedicated to ChatGPT. So even so I fear when comedies and pop culture references start to start to uh, pick up on this stuff, you know, it's 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 hit the mainstream. But just to help us all understand, I think a lot of us have heard of ChatGPT or most of us have probably heard of, of ChatGPT. Maybe what, what's a simple way or sort of an introduction to the concept of what ChatGPT is? Yes, of course. Absolutely. It has been like one of the greatest news of all times, like especially Bill Gates just like launched uh, his AI reflection and he was mentioning that ChatGPT could have the same potential of super compu of computers in the 90s and so on. So literally being a disruptive technologist. But to give you a quick explanation of what ChatGPT is. So first of all, let's break down 
the words, so chat and GPT. So chat stands for chatbot, and then exactly what ChatGPT is. Well, GPT stands for generative pre-trained. So it means that this AI model has been trained with a large amount of data. And this is why it's so successful, because an AI model to function well needs a lot of data. So ChatGPT is a large language model, and you can understand it as a sort of virtual personal assistant. You can ask whatever question you, you want, and ChatGPT will give you an accurate answer based on the information um, the data is built upon. So since a month ago, it was actually only referring to data coming from uh, before 2021, but with the new plugins and with the ChatGPT4, it actually gives you real-time information. And especially now they just launched the new, new plugins and it's crazy how fast this technology is evolving because now with third-party integration, you could book a flight directly through ChatGPT just by asking, which are the prices? Make a comparison and book the flight directly all with your virtual personal assistant. So I think it's it could be very much a disruptive technology. Yeah, yeah, I, I follow a... Um... There's a YouTuber I follow who's actually been a guest on the show before. His name is Walker Reynolds, and he works in the, the industry 4.0 and manufacturing space. And, and he did a video recently on this topic, and he was talking about how he thinks that 50% of the U.S. population or 50% or of the U.S. labor force will be unemployed in the coming years because of ChatGPT. And he, and he attributes it all to the regenerative uh, AI technologies like ChatGPT. I know... We're going to get to this in a moment, but ChatGPT is not the only example. Absolutely. There's other examples. Maybe help us start there. What are, in addition to ChatGPT, which I think is the one that's, for whatever reason, become sort of the mainstream or the common um, rec recognized name, what are some of the other technologies that are similar to ChatGPT that we might hear about here in the near future? Yes, before stepping into this, I think you made a good point, which is about, which is about employment. So when we consider employment, I believe that for sure there will be some jobs that will be replaced by AI. But if we think about history, it has always happened this way every time new technology has been implemented. So if on one side AI will cut job, on the other side it will create new types of new types of jobs. So if we look at repetitive tasks, then maybe there's not another job that could be substituted. So it will just be replaced. But if we think about marketing, for example, it's not very much likely to substitute the person itself doing the marketing activities, but it will, it will automate and be integrated with more personalized content for the audience. So it's kind of also changing the way we perceive uh, the job. So it's not more on just an, an individualistic, I would say, way, but it's more like also on a shared and collaborative approach uh, mm. to make the user very much valued and give the most uh, personalized content possible. And coming back to your question, um, indeed, there are other uh, big enterprises, giant tech that enter this industry. We have Google, we have Microsoft. Uh, Google launched Bard, which is pretty much uh, not the same, but it's still a chatbot that will actually be launched soon. It's not yet available. So it's not integrated into Google yet. If you go to Google, you won't see BART, but you need to join the waiting list to see how uh, BART works. But the objective is still the same. So to sort of have this 
virtual personal assistant that gives you more personalized information based on the question you're asking. So now if you go on Google, you see a lot of uh, different pages that may be related, but that don't answer directly your question. You need to read through before getting an answer. Well, BART aims at giving you exactly already the answer. So it's faster and more accurate. Aside that, a project that I'm really, really excited is actually the one of Microsoft. So it's Copilot, and uh, I think it's revolutionary. But first, we need to understand that Microsoft bought ChatGPT. So Microsoft now is integrating the ChatGPT technology into their Microsoft Office package, for example. So we will see how ChatGPT and this AI language model will be integrated into Word, Excel, Microsoft Teams, <coughs> Outlook, but very much in, um, I would say, more productive way. So if you take into account PowerPoint, for example, you could upload a Google Doc and ask ChatGPT or the AI model, can you make a presentation based on this Google Doc? And few minutes later, you will have 10 slides with the content of that Google Doc. If we think about Excel, for example, instead of writing the formula, you could ask the chatbot, can you make the sum of these numbers? And the sum will appear. And once again, if we think about uh, Google Meets, for example, uh, sorry, um, Microsoft Teams, we could, for example, have already a transcript of the, the Meet, and then directly you will send an email via Outlook of the summary of the email. So in terms of productivity, this is literally 100x. So this is how I also see enterprises moving in the space because the way teams work together, it will be very much efficient. So on one side, once again, we think about unemployed, unemployment because, uh, I don't know, now a person to make a presentation, it may take an hour, two hour. Now with Microsoft, it could take literally, I don't know, 10 minutes. So then you see how two people, are two people still needed? I don't know, it depends. So there's a lot to discuss, but I think there are great technologies that if implemented well can really boost productivity. Yeah, yeah, it's great points. And, and um, I think, you know, what's super interesting is I feel like right now, the human race, you know, we all as humans are, are just getting our arms around the textual aspects of ChatGPT. So being able to enter into the chat, you know, help me, you know, understand a certain research topic. Um, you can do, you know, there's a lot of really menial tasks or, or uh, writings, I should say, that you can use ChatGPT for. Um, I, I had a funny, or what I what I thought was funny, my wife did not think this was funny. Um, but my wife, my I was texting my wife, and uh, she was running late. And so I um, I was with my kids and I said, well, watch this. I'm going to use ChatGPT to send mom a really nice text about how she's running late. She needs to hurry. So I'm going to say it in a, in a more polite way than I might otherwise say it. So I went to ChatGPT and said, you know, write a text to my wife about, you know, why she's running late or something like that. And it gave me like five options and I just cut and pasted and, and texted it to my, <laughs> to my wife. And I even left in, you know, it says, you know, it, it said insert wife name, you know, in parentheses. And I even yeah. left that part just to be funny to show, you know, so you would know because we had been talking about ChatGPT. So there's little things like that that you can do, like, you know, if you want help writing something or you want help with, uh, 
Um, like I had it write a, a short story for my for my younger son, you know, just to tell him a story. So I said, let me let me have ChatGPT write a story about. I forgot what I put in, but I kind of give a real high level scenario, and then just wrote it wrote like a five paragraph story within ten seconds. So it's, it's things like that that I think are on the textual side, but there's also what you're talking about with Copilot, and also with another product that Microsoft has invested in that I didn't know until just a few hours ago when I was on an airplane sitting next to a lady that that is uh, she owns an art museum in Florida, and it, it's a tech enabled art museum that uses AI, and they've been working on this project for like I think three or four years where they are taking AI to where you can go in as a patron and and share your dream. Like if you have a dream or you have a vision of what you want a piece of art to look like, you can you can tell it, tell the AI model what you want and it'll create a replica or, or a painting or a picture of whatever it is you describe. So it's it's getting into the whole creative side of things as well, which to me that seemed like one thing that would be safe would be the real creative aspect of the world. Definitely. But even the, the creative uh, sides of the world seem like it's being potentially impacted by ChatGPT. Yes, one point on that to mention uh, is like, if we think that now we expanded almost at its maximum, the creator economy, but all creators still needed maybe a social media manager or someone to rely on, now they can ask this kind of question to ChatGPT. And this is revolutionary, if you think, because you can really set up a brand, set up a shop on just based on the information that ChatGPT gives you. And you just can enhance this with your personality, with your ideas, but you can cover all topics that maybe a team could cover. So right. for creators, I think this is like, it would impact the way they do business online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. We're here with Chiara Munoretto talking about ChatGPT, artificial intelligence and emerging technologies in general. We're going to continue a lot more of this conversation. We've got a lot more to get into. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the ever-changing landscape of digital transformation? Then you need our newly released 2023 Digital Transformation Report. This comprehensive report covers the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to ensure your digital transformation is optimized for success. The 2023 Digital Transformation Report is packed full of proven methodologies and insights from experts in the independent digital transformation field. You'll also receive practical insights on how to implement digital transformation strategies within your unique organization. This free report is available for download on our website at thirdstage-consulting.com under our thought leadership section. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 114. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and audio podcast platforms throughout the world. We're here with Chiara Munoretto talking about ChatGPT and artificial intelligence within enterprises. ChatGPT and other AI technologies are not only going to be disruptive in terms of potentially eliminating jobs, but it's also going to change remaining jobs to be more um, intelligent, basically. I think what, what one study or one hypothesis I read was that the average IQ of the average uh, person in the labor force is going to go from like 70, an IQ of 70 up to in the 90s. So you're going to have, it's something that is going to favor 
super intelligent people. And, and I guess it begs a question of what about other people, you know, how will they be impacted? Will it just be a net negative for them? Is it a net positive for the others? Um, I think there's a lot of unknowns around the societal and economic impacts of, of ChatGPT, which, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating and scary all at the same time. Yeah, because if you think about education, for example, if you have, like, let's say, critical, intelligent people that can really see the potential in ChatGPT, they will make use of ChatGPT, but without copying the entire outcome. But if you just have someone, like even, you know, uh, naive children who are just growing, they will just want to get homeworks done. So they won't even think about, okay, is this correct? What am I learning? No, it's just, right. okay. I just copy paste it, so this is done. So this way, it very much impacts the way people, but especially children, would grow because they have access to internet, especially if we consider 10 to 16. They may not be mature enough to actually think and use ChatGPT just for their personal development, but just to really get things done. So in this case, of course, there's there's the bad side, I would say, unless you you have parents that, you know, educated and everything. But uh, nowadays, the internet is accessible literally to everyone more and more. Yeah, yeah, I um, I, I was actually debating this with my wife as well as, as it relates to our kids who are both in school. Uh, one's in high school, one's in middle school, uh, seventh grade and, and uh, tenth grade. And we're debating on whether, you know, is ChatGPT and using ChatGPT to help you with homework, for example, or to help you write an essay or a report. Um, is that ethical? I mean, is that right? Is that cheating? I, I, we actually, actually um, our, one of our sons has a friend who got in trouble for using ChatGPT to write a paper, and and I, he he did he did something that wasn't very smart. He didn't even read the results, and so there was something in it that was a clear indicator that it was a bot that wrote it um, because he didn't go through and edit it and kind of make it his own. But um, it does beg the question of is is this a big deal? Is this wrong for for kids and other people to use ChatGPT in this way, or is it like the calculator? You know, when the calculator came out, um, yeah. however long ago, you still had to learn math just to understand the concepts. But you you know today most of us just use a calculator to to get the answer we want. So I guess it's sort of a a question that I can't answer. I don't have a good answer for. I don't have a strong opinion on either on whether it's right or wrong in in that context. But how do you think in general? Um, ChatGPT and other types of related technologies like that. How do you think they'll impact enterprises? You know, just organizations and businesses in general. Yeah, as I said before, I think it would be something needed on one side uh, because it would just enhance productivity and especially mm. share information and have more precise insights. So, once again, considering marketing and sales, if you think about the strategies to better sell a product, you could come up with a hundred strategies, but how can you prove them? So ChatGPT kind of, kind of gives you all the steps of the funnel and can really make you, like help you making better decisions. So the way I use it, for example, I always ask ChatGPT a lot of questions and never rely on the first question. So always try to build upon the question, the answer, sorry, that uh, was given by ChatGPT. But in this way, you can really be open-minded at extreme levels because you can build connection in an easier way. Because, I don't know, if you want to sell a product and you're like, okay, I'm convinced I will go this way, but then ChatGPT says, okay, but why don't you combine this product with this product and you upsell them? You're like, okay, that's interesting. I never thought of that. So 
I would say it's just like having a big brain that thinks for all the enterprise that even if you combine all minds team together, it won't come up with the same solution. Mm. So I think that in this way, it's very much revolutionary because it really allows you to think broader and also allows you to hit the mark or hit your objective way easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. And, and, uh, yeah, there's so much to, to think about as it, as it relates, uh, relates to this and how, how businesses might, might use it. Um, I want to turn to the audience really quickly too. Um, and just acknowledge where a lot of people are joining from today. Um, I'll start with, uh, all the non TikTok platforms and I'll come over to TikTok here in a second. Uh, but joining, uh, from, we have people joining from Denver, Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado, Atlanta, Georgia, Green Bay, Wisconsin, London, UK, Montreal, Canada, New Jersey, Scotland, Saudi Arabia, India, Montreal, um, et cetera. So uh, Dallas, Texas, and a bunch of other places. I won't list them all, but thank you everyone for joining and, and for letting us know where you're joining from today. Um, over on TikTok, we have uh, people from California, um, Saudi Arabia, as well as uh, Wisconsin and Colorado as well, um, among others. So. Thank you, everyone on TikTok for joining as well. Um, I want to come back to this uh, one thing about ChatGPT in particular, and I think this might be true for Bard and some of the other technologies. But ChatGPT, one nuance or, or thing to know about it is that it, it the knowledge that ChatGPT has is largely based on the wealth of information that existed up until late 2021. Is that correct? So anything that any world event or anything that has happened in the world since late 2021, ChatGPT doesn't necessarily know about unless we teach it, unless we 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 show it or we we teach it what has happened. And, and I'll give you an example. I went in and I was just doing some research on on the industry, the consulting industry that we're in, and I just wanted to know: Does ChatGPT know who third stage consulting is? Do they know where we fit in the marketplace and all this stuff? So I was asking a lot of questions about third stage consulting. And I asked it the question of, does third stage consulting have international offices? And it came back and said, um, no, it doesn't. It's, third stage consulting is based in Denver, Colorado, in the United States, which is true. We are based in Denver, Colorado. So I had to go back and say, third stage consulting has offices in London and Australia and in South Africa. So I had to tell it that. And then it came back and said, it can't confirm it. And I said, okay, well, here's a link. And so I sent it a link to our website that has the contact information of our different offices. And it took a few seconds and it said, you are correct. Third stage consulting has offices in London and it, it sort of listed off the offices we had. So it's, it's um, maybe, have you experienced this or have you, have you seen this where you sort of have to teach it and it's a, it's a learning mechanism too. And it, it itself has to learn and we have to teach it. And so back to your point about human interaction, you, you need that human interaction to be able to direct it and teach it in the same way that it's helping us. Yes, absolutely. But uh, on Chrome, it's actually available an extension that is called WebChatGPT. And that extension allows you to reach the information of 2022 and 2023 till the ChatGPT4 will be released. And then the integration will be already uh, inside ChatGPT4. So from whatever browser, you could mm -hmm. access real-time information. So this, I think it's uh, a thing that will come in the next months. But I think that the interesting part that uh, I was reading this article and they mentioned that basically, yes, ChatGPT relies on the information that is available online and especially on papers and uh, research. But this paper, like the majority of papers or PDFs, report different authors' opinion together. So still, it builds upon 
somehow the same knowledge repurposed in different ways. Mm. So like if, I don't know, three researchers just present different views of different uh, other researchers, they're not adding a point necessarily, they're just representing the same information. So still the way information is presented as an answer from ChatGPT is somehow limited because yeah. it's not thinking, it's just combining the kind of information. So also there, that's why I would never do, do, just do copy paste. Like yeah. the way I use this for my thesis, for example, like in Maastricht University, we had a meeting with the board of examiners, for example, because they wanted to see how students and the board of examiners feel the introduction of ChatGPT should be considered plagiarism, should be not. So this is interesting and Maastricht University wants to integrate ChatGPT, of course, uh, also with, with uh, plagiarism rules. So you cannot just copy paste. But as I said before, if you just use it to enhance your opinions, to enhance your thinking, your reasoning, I think this is can really make you grow. Like, so, yeah. yeah, I would say this is the most prominent side. Yeah, and there's there's also the question I have, and I don't know if you have an answer for this or if this is a, just an open question that none of us know the answer to, but one question I have is, is what about the information that we feed it as humans? So our flawed information, our flawed opinions, um, we feed those biases into the AI model. Does that make the AI model biased? I mean, I've tried asking it questions that are very clearly opinion based, like, um, you know, who's who's the best president ever in the United States? And it won't answer. It'll say, you know, at least when I tried it, it said, yeah. I don't have an opinion on that. You know, it basically says that's not my job to give an opinion is sort of thing. But the question becomes is, could I could I or the people use it? Um, not nefariously, not necessarily in a bad way, but but even unintentionally give it biases based on the information that we're feeding it. Back to your point about, you know, needing that human analysis and, and knowing how to understand and interpret. Do you have thoughts on that or do you know how that might work in the future if we were to if it were to get faulty inputs from us or biased inputs from us? Yes. Yeah, so actually, one key thing about ChatGPT is the way you ask questions. So if you will ask what is the best president in the last 10 years or something like that, it won't give you an exact answer. But if you, for example, copy paste a certain data set and you'll say, okay, based on this data, who is the most likely to succeed in the next month, for example, then it will give you an answer because you're not asking exactly to say who's the best, but you're saying who's the most likely to based on this. So it's like predicting. And this is something ChatGPT can do. So one key thing to learn is to talk to ChatGPT correctly. For example, another thing that works a lot is saying, act as you were, I don't know, a professor, a doctor, or whatever. So ChatGPT sort of um, personificates that person and gives you uh, advices based on that, not just based on general knowledge, but based on the role uh, it's impersonating, let's say. And in terms of risks, I would say, well, there are many, of course, especially because it's somehow still at very early stage. So the kind of information that it's taken is not really controllable, especially uh, for the users. So we just trust the system. But I'm, I'm still on a question mark on whether, I don't know, for a year, all people are against a certain um, 
impact or president persona and ChatGPT gathers that data, is that going to influence the final question or ChatGPT will just report objectively what people has been talking about lately? Because right. that could lead to misinformation, for example. Right. So that's also what I was looking at the um, interview of the CEO and he was literally saying that one of the biggest risks is disinformation because if you report without actually evaluating what ChatGPT is saying, you may just in, uh, spread again disinformation and this is a loop. And then the algorithm ChatGPT that learns from new data it will learn from the wrong data. So in a sense, it's a loop of disinformation. So it's tricky. Yeah. Well, and there's also, um, I was actually chatting with uh, a couple of months ago, I was, I was in London. Actually, I met you when I was in London. I met you in person there as well um, after you were on the, the uh, show last time, the last time you were here. But I was in London meeting with our London office a couple of months ago, and the team there was talking about how, um, I don't know if it was a client of ours or if it was a peer an industry peer, but some somehow they knew of a consulting engagement that uh, was an ERP implementation, and the consultants were using ChatGPT um, to um, do some tasks related to the implementation, and they were taking client confidential information and putting it into ChatGPT to to yeah. do the analysis or whatever. And now all of a sudden, it's OpenAI. Now, what was confidential information is now part of open source uh, AI technology, and so technically, the data is out there and it's a, it's public domain now. So I, I don't know if that's a that seems like another conflict or potential conflict we may see in the future as well as confidentiality and data security and all that stuff too. Is that something you've seen or had any insights into yet? Yes, I mean the thing is that it's somehow still on a beta, so there is no regulation yet. It's mm -hmm. just like it's trained on as much data available as possible. So the more um, precise information you're giving to ChatGPT, the more this can grow. And on one side, the more precise information you give to ChatGPT, the best, the more accurate answer you may have. So you have to decide if you want to step back on the result or step forward with privacy. So I think that this will be one of the challenge of ChatGPT, the way they use um, information they receive, because now we are giving them all our data. So if they can implement it for example, also in uh, healthcare, you know, it's kind of challenging because you're really giving patient detail. Is that a fraud? Is that illegal? Do we have regulations for ChatGPT specifically or just for AI in general? So there's a lot going on. And in general, I think we're just very much in the early stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, there's a lot of questions and comments that are related to this topic of how AI is going to affect uh, uh, humans and in, in our worlds in general. So I'll, I'll get to a few of these comments here. Um, just a comment from uh, Latwinia on YouTube. I probably pronounced that as well as I pronounced your name, Kira. <laughs> I, I completely butchered that, so I apologize for that. Um, but she. Uh, Latuinio says, I've been waiting for this video as a new digital transformation consultant. Thank you for dropping this content. So thank you for being here. Um, a lot of thank yous that came in here. Um, here's a really interesting article. I, I can't show it just because it's such a long comment and it won't show on the screen here, but I'll read it to you. And this is from uh, Pretik on LinkedIn. And Pretik says, according to a recent Economist article, 
even in countries like South Korea that have implemented AI and robotics and actual industry practices, the number of humans to AI ratio is close to 10. So, and I'm not sure what the denominator is there, but I think what, what he's suggesting is that there's plenty of humans interacting with AI for, you know, as AI has, has grown in South Korea, so has the number of humans that are using AI or interacting with AI. So the question is, so the, so the latest aspersions around generative IT or generative AI replacing human, I'm sorry, let me say this again, I'm saying this wrong, are the latest um, aspersions about generative AI replacing human jobs unfounded? So I guess that's it's a question, you know, I think it goes back to what you said a couple times throughout yeah. this conversation is there is going to be work needed. It's just going to change the type of work that's being done. And it might just totally, it's, it's definitely going to be disruptive, but it may not be something that eliminates jobs as much as we think. Yeah. So another thing that I think it's worth it to mention is that we always need to consider which way we're going as a society. So I think we're kind of moving more and more towards a more individualistic society so that everyone has the opportunity to set up their own business, to grow individually, to make a profit for them and not necessarily uh, work for a company. And whether this is something you agree with or not, I think this is something that will happen, or at least this is the path we are going to. So when you mention uh, replacing human jobs, if we are going in this direction, there will be more and more people that won't be replaced by AI, but just because they will start using AI to create their own job rather than get employed by a company and then maybe get replaced by AI. So I think they're like coming with this, there's also a shift in society, shift in econo economy construction somehow. Mm. So I think there are a lot of things to consider, not just AI is bad because it's replacing jobs and so on. We should right. consider the overall ecosystem and the values we're bringing forth and so on. Right, it's great, great points. Um, more comments here from this one from YouTube. Uh, Grandmaster UV is the the screen name on, on YouTube, and, and Grandmaster has some funny uh, but insightful comments. Um, I like this chat GPT and virtual reality matrix. It's awesome. Um, also goes on to say high tech for the win. And then also uh, the a comment here that Grandmaster UV has is it's all about the high tech. I'm all about flying saucer high tech, uh, too, on top of everything else. So he's equating it to a he or she is, is equating it to a uh, flying saucer on top of everything else, which is a Interesting. So uh, Grandmaster EV on YouTube is a big fan of ChatGPT. Um, and here's another comment. And I, this is just really interesting to see kind of people's knee jerk reactions to this uh, concept of what's happening or how will this affect humans. Um, but Winston on YouTube says it's all about how you embrace the tool, but too early to say on that level of detail for human replacement. I think that's a fair assumption. I don't think any of us really have any idea or know. We might have our hypothesis or speculation of what we think might happen, but I don't know that any of us really fully understand the magnitude of of how this this could uh, impact everyone. We're here with Chiara Munoretto talking about ChatGPT, artificial intelligence, and emerging technologies in general. We're going to continue a lot more of this conversation. We've got a lot more to get into. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control.
If you are involved in any sort of digital transformation or business change initiative, you will want to download the 2021 Digital Transformation Report. With its comprehensive overview of business and technology trends and best practices, this report is a must-have guide for any transformation project or executive team. Download this free report by visiting Third Stage Consulting at thirdstage-consulting.com. You can also visit our website to learn more about us or download independent reports, videos, and other best practices. Again, visit thirdstage-consulting.com today to learn how to take your transformation to the third stage of success. Welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 114. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and audio podcast platforms throughout the world. We're here with Chiara Munoretto talking about ChatGPT and artificial intelligence within enterprises. Here's another uh, interesting, this is a comment from, from Ryan. I'm going to try and show this comment. Uh, this is Ryan on LinkedIn. Um, Ryan says, I've been using ChatGPT to make extensive prompts to then feed into MidJourney, which is an artwork creation platform. And the results mm -hmm. are wild. When do you see connections yeah. like Zapier, um, et cetera, um, being able to seamlessly connect into AI platforms? Um, and this is true too. There's another product, I think I mentioned it in passing a moment ago, but there's uh, Microsoft has an, another AI product that I think they've invested in. I don't know that they developed it. They may have developed it. I could be wrong on this, but I know that Microsoft somehow owns or has been involved with a product called Dolly and it's D-A-L. Uh, yeah, because it's still like developed by OpenAI. So okay. there has been like Delhi, the first Delhi, I think it was in 2016. And then there has been the new Delhi 2. And I tried it. It does like the same mentality of Midjourney actually. Uh, but yeah, I just like great text to image software. So they, they use AI models to generate images starting from your input, which is text-based. So right. coming also back to the point of Zapier, it's one of the integration of the plugins that ChatGPT wants to insert. So in terms of email writing, this of course, it's crazy. Like you could just have one email ready just by uh, making a few bullet points. And I think that on one side, this is not that bad because if you think about it, every time you need to say like, dear, you know, then at the end, best regards and so on. It's just like a structure, a formality. What you really need to check in is like the core, the content, but the way you should just be formal, I think as a starting point, as a template, I think it's good. And I also saw a comment mentioning cover letters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. So for cover letters, that's, I think something that the company should take care of. So if you want to ask cover letter and you know that people may use ChatGPT, then you should have a plagiarism system. I think it's, I know that it might sound controversial because maybe people shouldn't use ChatGPT to write cover letters in the first place, but we cannot rely only on the positive thinking of people and, you know, ethical behavior. So if I, I was a company, I would uh, have a plagiarism check before um, just relying on a cover letter. Right. It's a great point. It I think you you said something really insightful, which is it's up to the employers or the organizations to see through that and and just know that this stuff is out there. Um, 
you know, one thing that sort of related to this, you know, as far as organizations having to do their due diligence, you know, one thing that um, has come to mind too, is that, you know, when you think about phishing scams and things like that, or phishing attempts on email, um, a lot of times you, you get, you know, these automated emails that, that look like you or I, yeah. but it's not you or I, and it's asking someone to send you money or whatever. And it, and it sounds like someone, it, it appears as though it's from someone you trust, but it's really a fake account or whatever. The reason I bring this up is that I, I could also see there being really nefarious uses of AI technologies and maybe even criminal uses of yeah. AI technologies to replicate you or I, um, to either impersonate us or, um, you know, use the, the facial uh, replication or the, uh, the, the speech yeah. record replication and that sort of thing to make videos or audio that look like you or I, but, but it's not, um, or anyone. So, I, you know, that's another thing you have to think about is how does this affect crime and, you know, sort of yeah. cyber crime and that sorts of thing. Yeah. I think one of the like, uh, scariest, I would say technology that could really impact the way we just perceive humans is deep fakes mm. because, you know, you could put whatever face on whatever body saying whatever uh like talk about whatever topic so this once again relies on the ethical behavior of human beings but to what extent we can rely on billions of people so i think that we should really pressure regulations mm. at least to a certain extent because otherwise it's just freedom for everyone yeah and i think it's too much because as as long as it's like a famous, uh, like the president or something that are making some jokes with deep fakes and so on, you somehow know that this is that this cannot be real. But if you take a person that is not famous, so it just has maybe a couple of friends that could testify that this is wrong, that when you go in court is way harder to prove. Because if the deep fake is well made, it's hard. To, yeah. to define that. Yeah, in fact, there's a, um, over on TikTok, where we're streaming today too, there's an account that I followed for a long time before I realized what it was. <laughs> and that was the account, is the Tom Cruise one. Have you seen that one? Uh, no, 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 no. There's there's one called, uh, the, the handle name on TikTok is called Deep Tom Cruise. And actually, if you like Tom Cruise, or you, even if you just know who he is, yeah. whether or not your fan doesn't matter. If you go to Deep Tom Cruise on, on TikTok, follow that account. And the videos on there are, unbelievable. I, I mean, I thought okay. it was Tom Cruise. I thought there's no way that is not Tom Cruise. And yeah. um, it looks like a younger version of Tom Cruise. I mean, it looks like when he was like 40, not 60 or whatever he is now, even okay. though he, he still looks the same largely, uh, which for, which is very frustrating as an aging middle-aged uh, male. <laughs> but all that aside, when you look at the videos though, it looks and sounds, acts, his mannerisms, it's just like him. And I wondered like how they created this and it's all through AI and apparently Tom Cruise has some sort of equity investment in this company and they gave him, they gave this uh, account permission to use his okay. likeness or whatever. and the whole account is all just fake Tom Cruise videos and they're kind of funny too, which it's is crazy. why I followed it. Yeah. So it's, it is crazy because I cannot tell, like there's no, there's no part of it that looks fake. There's no part of it that doesn't look like Tom Cruise. It doesn't look glitchy or, you know, robotic or weird or anything like that at all. So I'm fascinated by that too. So that's a, that's another use case of how scary and cool it is all all at the yeah. same time here's a comment from michael uh on linkedin and michael michael's comment is automate what works spend your time innovating raising the bar the new average performance improves substantially onboarding and time to productivity accelerated i think that's a great point i mean i think that yeah. it does raise the bar it 
it pushes us all in in many ways it probably makes us all a bit smarter or at least at least it allows us to facilitate intelligence even if we're not um, as intelligent as others we can at least facilitate intel intelligence and communicate um, intelligently um, which i think is a great point um here's an interesting question which i might add to this is from linkedin um, as Aldine on LinkedIn says, can ChatGPT be further developed to help with other aspects such as designing 3D drawings? Have you seen so that? Another, yeah, so another aspect of ChatGPT is coding. So I tried mm -hmm. this myself and literally it gives you correct code just to copy paste for programmers or for developers. And it could be for a website, it could be for blockchain, it could be for an app, it could be for whatever, literally. So for 3D modeling, I would say that MidJourney is actually the one that really is taking the lead in this more than ChatGPT. So I've, I think that ChatGPT itself, unless you want to use some specific coding uh, integration to make 3D, I think that, um, Midjourney is the best tool to use, but uh, Adobe has just launched another AI tool that is going to be implemented in all uh, his AI services. And this also would ease the process of creating 3D images. Right. Yeah. Great, great point. Um, and there's so, it seems like, I think where we're going with this is it seems like the potential use cases for AI are limitless. And it's it's cool to see yeah. on the consumer level how a lot of these technologies are being used. And, and I think it's one of those technologies that enter enterprises are gonna have to catch up to uh, pretty quickly uh, to make sure they're not left behind in this whole thing here. Um, this is from Rahul on LinkedIn. Rahul says, will the, will the introduction of disruptive technology impact our education system for better? How can we devise our curriculum in the future to benefit from all such technologies? So this, I thought you might be interested in that question, especially because of, of your background and, and I'll keep the question up here just so you can see it. Yeah, um, thank you. But, uh, but what are your thoughts on this? This is a great question for you. So I think that in general, it always very much depends on what's your objective and which is the kind of role that you're aiming at achieving with your curriculum. Why are you studying? Why are you working? Because you can benefit from technology, but still, it depends. So it's not suitable for everything. It depends on the way you use it. So now I cannot give you a customized answer because I don't know what's your background. I don't know what you want to do. But I would say that in general, if you want to find a job, for example, ChatGPT can really help you in try to scrape among uh, all the internet and try to give you more insights on how should you present yourself if you want to get that job how that job will look like in practice. So it's not just, okay, you have an idea. So actually give you more detailed information on what you're going to do, which are the skills required, but also can simulate an interview. So you could have sort of, you can say, okay, present me a script of five minutes of an interview to get this job in X country. And ChatGPT will create it. I tried it. So uh, really, you can really use it to prepare yourself as much as possible if you want to be employed. Well, on the other side, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be a content creator, then I come back to what I was saying before, that you can really just uh, make your own company from scratch just with the input and help of ChatGPT and other AI tools. So it's not just ChatGPT, but this 
I would say the key point is literally the integration of all AI tools together. So just to make an example, I tried the other day on my uh, Instagram channel where I talk about uh, business automation in Italian. So if you're Italian, I will talk in Italian there. Um, that I just wanted to create a croissantery, so a, a bar, a restaurant that makes a luxurious croissant. And I asked ChatGPT to create the name, the payoff, an idea for the logo. Then I went to brandmark.io that creates logos, and I created my logo in like mm. one minute, literally. Then I went to uh, durable.co and creates website. So I got the draft of the website in two minutes. So I have a starting point from for everything if I want to set up my business. And that's why I think it's helpful because you just automate tasks. Right. No, that's great. And, and just as a, a plug for your your brand and your social media outlets, um, you have a really good Instagram uh, channel and that's how you and I first connected. Now you've got a TikTok channel. Um, maybe just real yeah. quick while we're talking, how what's the what what's the handle name or how can people find you on social media just while we're talking here? Yeah, so it's my surname and my name. I don't know if you, I can type it or you can type it because I think that if it's hard for you to pronounce, it's even harder to actually uh, understand it just from pronunciation. Right, I'll ask our, our marketing team to drop it in the okay. chat. Thank you very much. And then uh, maybe if to Instagram because you have the, the bigger following there at the moment. But if yeah. you're on TikTok listening, you can also find her by um, just look up yeah. Munreto Chiara. Um, exactly. It'll... Uh, but with a better accent, you know, if you, if you think of it verbally. <laughs> um, so here's a really interesting question or a comment I think that's maybe worth mm -hmm. a, a small debate or a short debate on with the audience. And this is from Jeff on LinkedIn. Jeff says, all technology eliminates jobs. There are no telephone operators or humans calculating missile guidance trajectories with slide rules. And it, it's a great point. He's very right that technology has, through history, eliminated jobs. Yet here we are. Most of us have jobs still. So... I guess it gets back to the to the the debate of okay, it's gonna let's just assume ChatGPT is going to eliminate jobs, and there's some speculation in the technology industry. For example, um, you talked about coding a moment ago. There's speculation yeah. that the technology industry and, and coders and developers and people that do um, relatively I don't want to say commodity based tasks, but things that are cut and dry. You know, either the code works or it doesn't. Um, there's a case to be made that it will eliminate technology jobs in this case with coders just as an example, but maybe let's come back to the whole concept of what, let's think this through. Let's assume that ChatGPT is going to eliminate a certain percentage of developers and coders in the world, in the technology world. What are some examples of what types of jobs might now be created that didn't exist before that might displace those people? And yes, there is disruptive, but at least they have other opportunities they could, they could potentially move into. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Mm, that's an interesting question. I haven't uh, dove deep in the topic yet, but if we think about that more and more companies will adopt AI, you still need to think about that new AI models needs to be created. So specifically for developers, I think that it's more than they need to acquire new skills. So if five years ago, HTML coding was the most needed because everyone needed a website, now maybe AI programming language are more needed. Mm. So I think also in terms of skill, it's somehow all evolving and changing. So the knowledge that you needed before may not be needed, but this doesn't mean that you stop there. 
if you want to grow, you grow with the technology, and so you you learn new things. Gotcha. But of course, this is challenging. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, let's come back to you know another question that I, you actually answered this in passing uh, earlier in the discussion, but Ruth on LinkedIn asked a question which I think is is worth coming back to or maybe diving in a little bit more which is, can you identify some use cases where AI can help with repetitive tasks? I know you mentioned a few, but maybe you could reiterate some of those or, or some yeah. additional you, you've seen. I think this this is actually a challenging question because if there's one thing AI could do is actually um, eliminate repetitive jobs. So helping in repetitive tasks, it's a, like it's a challenging uh, question, but I think that in general, copywriting, mm. that it's really the, top uh, application now, but also virtual assistant. So customer uh, service, for example, uh, all those tasks that before required uh, a lot of time. But as I just mentioned with the Microsoft Copilot, but there's also this uh, app that is called Tome, like T-O-M-E dot A-I, that just makes presentations, slides of presentations, even automated with a video coming from a text. So I would say that marketing in general, it's one of the key sectors that involves some repetitive tasks. So for example, if we take social medias, we went from uh, posting directly, so take our phone and post directly to scheduling so that you can schedule social medias. Now with AI, you can create a description, you can schedule uh, the post directly, and this is all repetitive tasks because if you post four times a week, you repeat this task four times a week. Well, you can just create this at once. So I think that in general, marketing and sales are very much the biggest industry that can benefit from ChatGPT at the moment. Yeah, we, that's a great. Those are great examples. I I know for sales, you know, a lot of my job is is business development and sales at my company. And um, I actually just tried ChatGPT and I said, uh, write a write an email to a potential client introducing my consulting company. Yeah. And I, I didn't even tell it what my consulting company was or anything. I just was very vague, very basic. And it came back with a really good email. I mean, I thought it was yeah. awesome. I, I just, if I were to actually use it, which I didn't use it, I have my own that I use, but I just wanted to see what it did. I, if I were to use that, I would have had to make maybe 30 to 60 seconds of changes just to tweak it. And I could have cut and exactly. paste that. To customers so that saved me you know you think that email probably would have taken the average person five plus minutes to write but now you've cut it down to you know less than a minute potentially um and i also think too you know the more we talk about this i, I think about the history of enterprise technologies let's talk about organizations for a minute and the, the job displacement technology has always been displacing people i mean it's, it's a constant struggle right it's, it's constantly automating yeah. jobs it's constantly changing jobs you think about um, the average customer service clerk that spends a lot of time just looking for information or managing spreadsheets. You still need those customer service clerks, but maybe they're not spending nearly as much time now looking for information and putting together you know, spreadsheets. Maybe now they're they're doing a higher level of thinking and focusing on what's the root cause of why are we getting customer complaints or why are we not selling more? What can we do different to sell more products or services or to provide better customer service or whatever whatever it is? I feel like it sort of elevates you know, it sort of handles those menial tasks and it could potentially elevate us all to where we're thinking more strategically and, you know, more, more higher value add sorts of things. I just think yeah, that- just like, I would say that it very much enhances the data you have 
So one of the key things that I also in the future will be fundamental is make use of the data we have. So if we don't have standardized data, if we don't understand what we have, then it's difficult to build upon what we are creating. So also find KPYs, find ways to measure. Technology can help very much in this, whatever industry we are into, whether it's a matter of giving new suggestions based on the data we have, or whether it's a matter, uh, a matter of programming a new software that standardizes codes, for example, in supply chain. Like, there are very much a lot of uh, application, but always everything comes down to data. How much data you collected and how much data you can process and make use of. Because otherwise you're always limited to the knowledge you have, but not actually all the information that you have access to. Right. Yeah, great point. Um, here's another interesting uh, comment from Drone Mountain on YouTube. And this user says, hi, all great conversation yeah. here. I catch GPT the other evening, asked it to create a kid's book based on my dog, Ted. It then gave me book title suggestions, six book title suggestions, each with their own chapters. Mind blown. And yeah, if I'm, you go around like YouTube or TikTok, you will see a lot of people that will just say how to make a thousand dollars with ChatGPT. One of the key suggestions is always write child books, always. But also there, you know, it depends what's your purpose, why you're doing it. So, but yes, right. it's a good use case. <laughs> right, and uh, maybe one last um, thing here uh, that's a funny comment that. I appreciate here from William on YouTube. <laughs> the Accenture is going to do a Kimberling deep fake. Stay tuned. And I wouldn't put it past Accenture to do a deep fake. <laughs> so don't, don't buy it. If, if you see a video of me talking about how awesome Accenture is and how um, you don't need anyone independent helping you in your project, you know, it's not me. Um, and then also uh, Ryan on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you for posting the, thank you. Uh, Kiara's Instagram account. You can see right here in front of you visually. Um, at least the, at the very least you can see the spelling of her name so you can search for that on instagram or on TikTok. um if you're if you're watching there it's munaretto chiara um in fact when i search i just put in chiara c-h-i-r-a and then i put m-u-n and you're the first one that comes up um, because i don't know how to spell your whole name without looking <laughs> at it so um you've got it there too um well good well i want to thank you uh for your time here chiara this is a great conversation uh this is easily a four-hour discussion um and i had yeah. a feeling wouldn't get past ChatGPT or AI. I think that's its own animal. And I think we, we spent a lot of time on that and that's good. I don't think we necessarily need to get uh, past that, but I really appreciate you being here today. Um, what are some resources or do you have any resources you suggest for people to learn more about AI? Certainly you're just as a uh, plug for you, your Instagram yeah. channel is really good, especially some of the, the recent videos you put up about ChatGPT. Okay. I'm fascinated by those. I, and, and some of them you are speaking in Italian, but you have the English subtitles. I always so. have the English subtitles, yes. Yeah, so so great stuff. But um, in addition to that, what are the resources do you recommend for people that just want to learn more about ChatGPT? Yes, so if we consider the hot topic moment, just like the newspapers, we'll talk about it. So like TechCrunch, for example, so they want more into technology. But then just ask ChatGPT, really. <laughs> That's so true. if you can just uh, like keep up with the news and try to also find value behind technology, because of course, like it depends what you want to learn about AI. So if you want to improve your skills and automate business, for example, uh, thanks to AI, it's more about getting to know 
more websites, more softwares that do these kind of things. And I would say that actually one of the greatest uh, source of information is just people talking about it. So just try to look for some people, whether on TikTok, on YouTube, on um, on Instagram, to talk about on LinkedIn as well. They talk about these topics. But otherwise, on Chrome, just download the extension so you can access real time data and ask ChatGPT as well. Yeah. Well, you want to know, Kiara? Uh, I'll ask you one last question. Do you want to know one thing that ChatGPT cannot replicate yet? Tell me. This, this conversation, con I'm oh, uh, so predictable. <laughs> I thought I had yeah. you. Yes, this conversation, ChatGPT has nothing on us. So um, I do want to thank you because this is much better than talking to ChatGPT about ChatGPT. In fact, I did that, by the way. I asked uh, several weeks ago. I just wanted to know what does ChatGPT say about itself? Yeah. And I said, what is ChatGPT? And it was a good start, but nothing like this conversation. This is much more uh, rich and deep getting into uh, some of the use cases and examples of how this is affecting our lives. So thank you, Kira. Great conversation. It was really good to have you here. And thanks to the audience for the great questions. A lot of really good engagement in that conversation. Uh, there's a lot of uh, great topics that came up, conversation points that we're going to build on here in just a moment, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Transformation Ground Control. A man if you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, Contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com. Welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 114. You can find new episodes every week on Wednesdays. Um, so we just had Chiara Munoretto on the show talking about ChatGPT and artificial intelligence. It seems to be the, the hottest topic in the tech space right now. Um, what were your thoughts on that conversation, Kyler? Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but you, you broke the internet. Um, so we were trying to get on, my team and I were trying to get on chat GPT when you were talking and it was down. So it was yeah. at capacity, which has been one of their, their bottlenecks because of their popularity. But I just thought it was funny because we were going to utilize chat GPT to ask you some questions, um, as well, um, to see if, if you could tell it was us or if you were going to kind of call us out and say, we know, we know that's not you. So, um, so that did was, it work? Uh, so did you ever, did you ever get on there or was it actually you doing the? the questions? No, it was actually us doing the questions, okay. my team and I. And um, so we were able to get on it because we do utilize ChatGPT on a daily basis um, within our marketing content development as a main tool. Um, and so we were able to get on it after, but we were just joking internally that, you know, it was so popular that it was now at capacity because everybody was in there because you guys were talking about it. So right. um, it was just a funny kind of behind the scenes uh, piece, but what, I mean, such a great conversation um, about specifically the use of um, content development tools in the enterprise space and how that can be translated into utilizing automations to create efficiencies um, 
through even communication tactics. Uh, and I, I could assume in a digital transformation because of the amount of communication that you need to be doing across just overall entities, whether it's internal partners, vendors, software vendors, um, there's just a lot that needs to go out. So I assume even utilizing it on that level could be extremely helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, as we covered in the conversation, um, the possibilities of how AI could be used is, is pretty endless. And, and that's, you know, that's, that, that's not only chat GPT, but some of the other, like, um, the more, um, what's it called the visual artificial intelligence use cases, like we were talking about art and things like that, um, in the conversation. So it's not just textual, like asking questions or having it help you write stuff. It's also having it, you know, artificial intelligence can help create art. It can help create CAD drawings, it can help process uh, payments or help you do, you know, some, some uh, routine tasks within an organization. So I feel like it's really endless. The possibilities are really endless with, with how it can be deployed throughout an organization or leveraged within an organization. And we're seeing our, our consultants too, are already being impacted by it. Just, I would say just this year in 2023, we're already seeing uh, consultants change the way they work. And it's really causing me to really think about our business, you know, our consulting business and how can and should this affect our business, but also how we deliver services to clients and also how system integrators deliver to their clients. Because I suspect um, there's a lot of manual work being done by these large system integrators that are costing a lot of money that could be now automated through artificial intelligence. When you think about something like coding or development or configuration of software that now is being offshored or shifted to you know, kind of lower cost labor, um, now could you, you, could you cut that labor even more and, and save money in a, in a transformation and speed things up? I think that's the sort of impact that we'll probably see, you know, in our business and the way we deploy and help clients with their digital transformations. So being on kind of the, the front edge of a tech trend and talking about how you utilize that within an organization, what are some some almost barriers or boundaries that you should establish when looking at a new technology? Like, are, are we ready for this? Is it safe? Um, is our data that we put in there, uh, say we're writing a note to a customer that um, in- includes customer data or sensitive information, what should be some of the the overall understanding or strategies that you should put into place if you are a business leader and in considering integrating something like this into your day-to-day activities? Well, it's a great question. I don't know that, you know, we as society and as uh, in the business world have good answers to that yet. But I think as a starting point, you know, you can certainly roll out um, security policies, IT security policies, data security policies that um, sort of provide parameters for what can and can't be shared. And I think a lot of it, too, is just making people aware that, you know, I think that's one of these things that people probably just don't realize that if I enter, you know, some sensitive information into open AI, now that that sensitive or confidential information becomes sort of public domain. Um, and there's a whole bunch of legalities behind that, that I imagine is yet to play itself out. And courts are going to probably establish, you know, parameters or illegal parameters around that sort of thing, too. Like, for example, could someone sue over a confidentiality breach if that information was now public domain because someone entered it in ChatGPT or, or AI, OpenAI or whatever? Um, that's that's a whole nother can of worms that you know is well beyond my well well over my head in terms of the legal sides of it. But I think making people aware is the first step, and just helping them understand that you know there's power here, but there's also risks with just like any technology. 
Absolutely. Well, a little call to the audience. If you want to utilize ChatGPT to pop a question in here for Eric that we can go over in our Q&As next week, mm -hmm. um, you can go ahead and do that um, wherever you're we're watching or consuming um, the podcast or video today. So, um, so go ahead and do that and then we'll see what we get and um, pepper Eric with some open AI ChatGPT questions next week. That's that's freaky. Now I mean, I wonder is that a human asking that question, or is this ChatGPT again? You know, it's gonna, well, you don't really know if you're right. talking to your husband or your girlfriend or who you're talking <laughs> to at that point. So that's true. It's karma because I, I did that to my wife and and uh, used ChatGPT to communicate with her. So now it's going to come back to bite me with uh, the audience using ChatGPT to ask me a question. So I know. Yep. I wish that my husband would use ChatGPT to text me because we we span. He's older than me, so we span generations, and I'm that classic millennial that if he says like okay. Then I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're getting divorced. So <laughs> right. he didn't, he doesn't love me anymore because he yeah, didn't right? send me a nice text response. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, well, good. Well, that's a great conversation. I feel like this is one that we're probably going to keep coming back to in the coming weeks and months just because it's such a fast evolving technology and it's spreading like wildfire. And I feel like we're all as a society just getting used to the possibilities. And so it'd be fun to keep talking about this and kind of seeing what we learn here about the technology and see how it's being used. And one thing I'd ask the audience too is in the chat, in addition to creating potential chat GBT questions for me, I would love to hear just in the comments, wherever you're listening or watching, what, how are you using chat GBT? Like what are some other ways you've used it or that you've seen it be beneficial? Um, I know some of that came up during the, the conversation with Kiara, but would love to hear um, what everyone thinks in terms of how you're using it too. Um, it's in some creative ways that we can learn a lot from that. So thank you in advance for that, but good stuff. Well, we'll, uh, we're going to shift gears totally here and, and still talk about digital transformation, of course, but we're going to get into a client case study. We're going to bring Dominic Lynn on the show, who is our uh, vice president in uh, Europe. He's based out of London. He's he's the vice president at Third Stage Consulting Europe. Uh, if you weren't aware, we have a, a MIA office uh, that covers Europe, Middle East, and Africa, um, and he's the VP of that, that London office there that covers that region. So he'll be on the show to talk about a client case study. This one is in the maritime industry. So we'll, we'll get into that here in just a moment. But first, we'll take a quick break. You're listening to Transformation Ground Control. If you are aiming for transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies define their roadmaps, and manage their transformations. With offices in the US, Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. If you are embarking on a digital transformation or business change initiative, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstageconsulting.com. Hello, welcome back to Transformation Ground Control, episode number 114. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on audio podcast platforms, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter as well. So be sure to check us out every week. Uh, we're excited for our next guest who's been on the show before. He's part of the Third Stage Consulting team. Uh, he's the vice president of Third Stage's European office based out of London in the UK. And uh, Kyler, you're going to 
ask Dominic some questions about a recent uh, client case study. So I'll hand it off to you, Kyler. Dominic, let's get into it. So can you tell us a little bit about the recent client that you had in the maritime industry? Yeah, sure. Um, so this client is um, based in Antwerp. Um, they're one of the largest um, oil cargo tanker companies. Um, they've got a market cap of mm-hmm. 3 billion, something like that, um, around about 250 employees. Um, and they operate, uh, I think they've got over 70, 70 vessels operating in, you know, 15, 20, 30 countries now. So yeah, pretty, pretty big. Yeah, that is, that's significantly big. And what did they reach out to ask for your help and third stage help with? Yeah, so they had a, a lot of pain points around um, multiple systems. Uh, I mean, it's not specific to maritime in that in that sense, but um, you know, over the last 20, 25 years, they've built up lots of different systems around finance, um, mm-hmm. ship management, they do crewing, HSQE, um, all these lovely things around shipping, voyage, vessel management. So over the years, they've, they've, I think it's probably like most companies, they work in silos. Um, you know, so people put in systems that suit a certain function. It's possibly not well integrated. Lots of manual processes um, develop. Um, you know, and you end up with a, a kind of spaghetti junction of systems that really don't serve anyone particularly well. Um, creates lots of pain points, etc. So they asked us to come in and, and have a look at whether we could find um, um, a solution that can consolidate um, lots of these different systems. Now, the original ask was, is there a possible unified platform that could be used mm-hmm. for everything? So, you know, most ERPs don't do um, some of these niche areas very well. So voyage management, um, ship management, anything along those lines is sort of a little bit niche. So there's not there's quite a few specific players that do those markets um, around the maritime um, industry. So, uh, but also they wanted finance systems. So there's the core finance systems needed replacing, and that's fairly standard across most mm-hmm. areas, although they've got a lot of um, requirements around treasury, cash management, loans, how they manage loans is very important in the, the shipping industry. So we kind of set about doing a specific um, um, RFI across multiple suppliers to see if we could find something that did um, everything or nearly everything. Can they do finance and shipping all in one? And that was the original ask, uh, which is quite difficult. So we did we did find um, a few suppliers that possibly could do it because they're a large company. You can't just have, um, you know, maybe a, a business central or a um yeah a, a net suite ledger i think they need to be a bit bigger so it's really oracle sap um and so that's the original ask um and they've been looking at that for a few years on different systems so just to get away from those silos that was the original ask anyway absolutely well definitely sounds like a complex project um as well so what um what were some of your findings when it came to that ability to find one unified system were you able to find something that worked for them with additional applications or how did that really work yeah it's uh, i mean the, the final focus ended up being um, pretty much finance so we had um multiple suppliers originally so a kind of a big funnel if you like where we, we went across mm-hmm. maritime looked for some very specific maritime um um applications as well as some of the big ones like obviously the sap and oracle um 
we did an RFI based on a maritime model, which specified all the areas. And then we had a look at that and found that there were probably uh, only two or three that could do a potential unified platform. But with the thought that some of these verticals, their finance system might not be big enough to cope with, um, you know, kind of the multiple ledgers and acquisitions and mergers that this company wants to do in the future. So we did end up with a short list of um, four. Um, two had decent verticals that could do the whole lot. And and there was obviously some bigger tier ones, the Microsoft, the Oracles and the SAPs that, that uh, to, to do the finance. So the thought was maybe it's likely that there will be a finance system like Oracle and mm -hmm. then you bolt on some ship management um, software applications later. So um, the finance we got in the end, we 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 ended up doing some demos. Um, we split it up into finance initially. Um, so the finance demos went really well. We did some ship management demos also, but we found that there was possibly only one that could do most of the ship management. Some of the um, bigger players uh, with their verticals weren't probably as good as they said they would be in those areas. Mm -hmm. So we ended up separating it out and, and looking at finance um, initially so yeah, what's the finance system so we did um it went across three suppliers in the end three vendors um with one being picked recently um the ship management stuff got pushed out a little bit further now um mm -hmm. because it was clear there wasn't going to be a unified platform so i think it's going to be put on ice for a little while now and we'll revisit that maybe we can go back to some slightly more niche suppliers um so there's a slightly different um strategy came out of it in the end the important thing was to put in a, um, a new finance system. Yeah, definitely. That sounds like the, the priority. Well, this is a great conversation, Dominic. Um, let's take a quick break and we will come right back and pick up where we left off. Um, you're listening to Transformation Ground Control and we'll be right back. Interested in working for a company that truly values your unique skills and experience? Here at Third Stage, we don't hire based on resumes alone. We look at the full candidate, experience, and willingness to provide excellent service for our clients. Within a technology independent and agnostic consulting firm, you have the opportunity to learn across industries with a diverse group of clients. Our consultants also have the opportunity to diversify their portfolio and learn across technology systems. If you're interested in joining a high growth entrepreneurial organization, please reach out to us at work at thirdstage-consulting.com. Welcome back to Transformation Ground Control. Just a reminder, you can find new episodes every Wednesday, and I'm here with um, Dominic Lynn, and we're talking about maritime industry and digital transformation. So, Dominic, let's pick back up. It sounds like being able to understand and give recommendations for that involved a deeper dive into their discovery of their digital strategy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we... Um... The way we approached it um, originally was doing some workshops. So they did a current state assessment internally, and we did a number of workshops over a week, looking at all the functions, going through those business processes, and then trying to wheedle out, you know, what's the capability required um, across each of those functions. So we went to quite a deep dive um, and ended up doing a discovery document around what would that digital strategy look like? We looked at other technologies like um, machine learning, um, Mm -hmm. Albeit, I think they they thought that was a lot of 
bleeding and leading edge at the time, but it's it's become part of the um, the core of, of systems at the moment with um, machine learning. So those areas are, are taking off and certainly with Jack, chat GPT late, lately. I think those are almost like common terms now, but even three or four months ago, people were looking at us thinking we were crazy suggesting these sort of things. Uh, and blockchain, things like blockchain, um, certainly for shipping, when you look at documents across bill of lading, how that works, the blockchain, mm -hmm. there's some blockchain um, solutions that, that help along those lines as well. So we did a kind of a deep dive on all those business areas and tried to sort of recommend um, some supporting strategies, not just ERP, but um, you know, other technologies that might be able to help in shipping. There's a lot of stuff out there. So, and the Internet of Things as well, they, they gather a lot of information um, from their vessels um, using sort yeah. of. Uh, yeah, modern um, technology and sensors that's that's collected. So it's more than just ERP. ERP on its own doesn't work. Um, you know, you need the supporting solutions around it as well. So yeah, it was a kind of a big deep dive on on all those processes. Then going to the market and seeing if uh, anyone could provide it. But it took quite a bit of time. Quite involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. It sounds like a, a quite the project. Um, and definitely lots of interesting learning. I know even, um, you know, talking to you about it, I've learned a lot about the maritime industry just in general. Um, but what about risk analysis? Is there anything specific with a maritime client that you're looking at when it comes to risks or what What were some business risk analysis that you, you did for this specific client? Yeah, well, one of the things we did look at was their um, annual reports. So their annual report for, I think it was 2021, um, had a lot of risks listed in it. So a lot of stuff around the maritime industries with kind of um, cyclical business risk. And this, they've got a thing called a tonnage tax regime. And there's all these sort of business risk, oil prices, um, third, third party service providers, debt and loan management, all these sort of things. And uh, also there's a big thing called ESG, which is the environmental um, kind of um, area that you have to collect data to see how environmental you are. And although they're an oil company, they're still fairly green and they'll have to collect this data. So for things like you know, ESG, your, your rating of ESG goes up, the better the data and the more often you can report on it. And that helps with things like loans. You know, the, the better your ESG rating, your, the better your loans are and the better you can service your debt. So those sort of things were were, were highlighted in their report. And so we we did review all those risks and come up with a kind of a, uh, a, a, a strategy on how you might mitigate some of that risk using ERP, even things like EPM tools and consolidation, AI, big data, blockchain. So we did sort of some metrics around, you know, kind of how these things could help across their business risk from their um, annual reports, which I think went down quite well, but it takes a while to implement these things. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think they're just looking at ERP, then you start to look at, well, how can we mitigate some of these risks using other technologies, including your ERP? And those sort of things take years, so it's very difficult to implement anything. So it's kind of a, a fairly far-reaching discovery um, document that we did um, that has to be sort of renewed and, and looked at um, mm -hmm. to make sure some of those recommendations kind of don't get dropped. Uh, so yeah. there was a lot of work done. But all that yeah, sort definitely. of, you know, all the, the, I guess it's around the decarbonisation of shipping, you know, all these, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a global thing now, isn't it, to try and lower the carbon emissions um, and, and how you, you know, might offset those carbon emissions, um, fuel price increases are a big risk to the balance sheet and, and you know, their kind of profit and loss. Um, even things like cyber attacks is a big thing that they, you know, um, yeah. you know list in, in their, their reports as well. Um, and things like fraud, you know, their, their cyber attacks and fraud are, are big in that. 
arena as well. Huh. So yeah, hopefully it's that like helps. The, the modern pirate, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is. You'd be surprised how um, how often um, you know cyber attacks work. Um, you know, happen. Um, you know, there's recent cyber attacks in in Benelux and, and some harbors there as well. So yeah, there's there's kind of a lot of stuff in the news that that has to be um, mitigated for sure. Yeah, modern day Absolutely. pirates. You're right. They don't come yeah. with um, eye patches anymore. They, they've got <laughs> laptops and um, yeah. kind of. A <laughs> yeah, scary in all different types of ways. Um, definitely. Well, this is a great conversation, Dominic. Um, let's take a quick break, and we will come right back and pick up where we left off. Um, you're listening to Transformation Ground Control, and we'll be right back. Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the ever-changing landscape of digital transformation? Then you need our newly released 2023 Digital Transformation Report. This comprehensive report covers the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to ensure your digital transformation is optimized for success. The 2023 Digital Transformation Report is packed full of proven methodologies and insights from experts in the independent digital transformation field. You'll also receive practical insights on how to implement digital transformation strategies within your unique organization. This free report is available for download on our website at thirdstage-consulting.com under our Thought Leadership section. Welcome back to Transformation Ground Control. Just a reminder, you can find new episodes every Wednesday, and I'm here with um, Dominic Lynn, and we're talking about maritime industry and digital transformation. So, Dominic, let's pick back up. So, as as you mentioned, you know, after selection comes implementation. So, when you're you're looking at this client or any client in the maritime industry, is there specific implementation partners such as SI that have specialties in this area, or how do you help them select that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult one because there are um, there are definitely some vendors um, that had specific maritime industry experience for sure. Um, but what what we went for in the end was um, a partner that was a bit more local. So it's it's that balance, isn't it? There was a couple that, that have implemented similar systems in some of their um, um, peer companies and you know kind of competitors, which were good, but they weren't particularly local, so um, it's it's very difficult to get specific experience. But the partner we went for in the end was more of a local one that had some um, shipping credentials, uh, but also with Oracle, who uh, have got a lot of maritime um, industry um, uh, references as well. So it wasn't it wasn't a perfect fit, but I think the fact that they were local um, and very engaging, and you know that's kind of what what we went for in the end with some shipping, but it's a very niche area. There's some mm -hmm. companies that only do shipping. You know, some of the um, companies in in Greece are very focused on shipping only. Um, but it's kind of smaller systems, small, smaller sort of niche apps. <clears throat> so we, we did we did um, we did reach out to quite a few partners. Um, we only went to RFP with a couple of them, which came recommended by Oracle. Uh, there's also a SAP um, a SAP Greek partner, which was very specific in uh, shipping industry. And we also went Microsoft Dynamics, who had a, a local partner that also had some decent um, shipping credentials. 
But very, very difficult. Yeah, it's very diff yeah. difficult to get everything in one partner. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, this has been great insight into uh, just an overall what a selection looks like in the specific industry. If you were talking to a maritime client, um, what would be kind of your first recommendation when looking at new technology? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, yeah, we would certainly avoid looking at maybe a, a massive unified solution. I think there are, you know, the, the industry's gone from best of breed to, you know, one one partner fits all back to sort of best of breed, really. So the, the good thing we've got now with third stage is we have uh, built a maritime model. So we had about 10 or 13 suppliers that have um, responded to the um, previous RFI. So we've got a very good database now of that yeah. maritime model, maritime solutions. So we can be very sort of targeted on on certain areas, um, you know, whether they're looking at vessel management um, specifically or, 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 or crewing or whether they want to go sort of charter and contracts. And um, so we, we can we can probably help a little bit more in that niche area in terms of specific mm -hmm. maritime solutions for specific business problems rather than looking at a unified platform. There clearly wasn't one that could really do it all for a big company. Um, but it depends on the size of it, though, um, Kyla. You know, if it, if it was mm -hmm. a smaller shipping outfit, um, yeah, there, there possibly is uh, a decent system that could fit most of their their functions now. So it would depend on the size, the geography, and, and nature of that that company. But for someone similar to the company we did, we would probably split it down a, a bit more. Excellent. Well, if if someone wants to get in touch with you regarding um, maritime questions or just selection in general, um, what's a good way to contact you? Um, yeah, I suppose um, hopefully you could show my emails on, online on the podcast or, or LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm probably available on, on a few. I'm not, not really on, um, I don't have a YouTube channel, unfortunately, um, like Eric, but um, yeah, LinkedIn or, or my email, dominic.line at thirdstageconsulting.com. Was the best Excellent. One. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Dominic. This was all great insight. If you do have questions about maritime and digital transformation, you can reach out to myself directly at kyler.cheatham at thirdstage-consulting.com. Um, you are listening to Transformation Ground Control, and we will be right back. Hi, this is Eric Kimberling, the CEO of Third Stage Consulting. And we recently hosted our Digital Stratosphere 2022 virtual event. It's three days of packed content related to digital transformation best practices, about 16 or 18 different workshops and different speakers that are presenting on different topics, everything you need to know about transformation. The, the bad news is you, if you miss that event, the event's over. The, the live event already happened. But the good news, if you've missed it, or even if you did attend it and you want to see replays or you want to catch the sessions you missed, you can do that now by going to stratosphere2022.com. Go to stratosphere2022.com, register. All you have to do is put in your, your name and email address, uh, just a few fields. You get immediate access to all the recordings, and the recordings cover everything from digital strategy, um, software selection, organizational change, process improvement, architecture, data migration, cloud, trends in the industry, um, how to avoid failure, some of the legal aspects to think about, contractual aspects to think about as it relates to your transformation, all that is stuff that you'll get by registering for Stratosphere 2022 replay. And again, go to stratosphere2022.com and you can listen to all the replays of all the workshops that you might have missed at the event. So hope you check it out and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.
Welcome back to Transformation Ground Control. You can find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts every Wednesday. I'm back with Eric Kimberling, CEO and founder of Third Stage Consulting Group. So Eric, we talked a lot about Maritime, which is an industry that has very specific requirements when it comes to what their needs are for their overall digital strategy, which is why obviously they engage experts like us. So we we do that for a lot of very specific industries such as steel, oil and gas that have really um, specific needs that they have for their technology. Uh, what are what are some of your reactions to industries that might be looking at an ERP system but not quite understand how it's going to be really specific to their unique needs? Well, I think it's it's important to be self-aware of the complexities of your business and your industry. Um, if you're a if you're a say a manufacturer or a distrib- distribution type of company, for example, not to say your business is easy, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them in the world. There's a lot of technologies to choose from, and you have a lot of options. Still complex, still difficult, still risky, all that stuff. But it's even more true for industries that aren't as common. So you look at, like you said, oil and gas, maritime. Um, aerospace and defense is another example, utilities, you know, energy companies. Um, a lot of these industries, they have just inherent complexities and risks in their business already. And now you try to layer in technologies and, and how you can automate it, it just, it just becomes more complicated. And it also raises the question of, you know, how bad do you really want a single system potentially to unify your end-to-end business processes, which a lot of organizations strive for that. They want a single ERP system or enterprise-wide technology. Um, with the vision or the utopia of or that that uh, desired utopia of single system integrated processes, single source of truth, all that stuff, you know, there's legitimate uh, upside to that path. But in these types of industries, these more complex industries, you're more likely to feel more pressure on that model because it's impossible for one ERP system to satisfy the needs of every um, every industry out there. And that's where more industry specific solutions come into play or, and or best of breed solutions. So if you're in a complex business, you just want to understand the complexities of digital transformation, know that there's a lot of trade-offs and there's going to be pressure to potentially use multiple systems, which can create more complexity and risk or additional different complexities and risks. So it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a big trade-off. There's no good answer, I would say uh, for that path, but something to be aware of. Yeah, and it sounds like just a deeper understanding if you are in that more complex business. And and one last question I'll ask you here. It seems like many of these complexities or like specific needs for businesses are actually being kind of hit with a one-two punch where there there's new compliance in the industry too. So how does that kind of fit into your digital strategy when you are looking at new compliance, new legislation, things like that that we see a lot with oil and gas and maritime specifically? Yeah, I mean that's a, it's a great point actually. I mean, when you've got these regulated industries, you you don't have as much flexibility in your business processes that other industries might have, or at least in certain areas, you're not going to have as much flexibility. Um, you know, if there's certain things you have to report for regulatory reasons, you have to report them regardless of whether or not your technology makes it easy for you or allows you to do it. You just have to do it, and so just being uh, you know kind of prioritizing accordingly is really important. Um, another thing that comes to mind too, I don't know why or, or how relevant this is, but the um, unionized environments too. So you have you have regulations that can impact your requirements and help you prioritize. But then you also have union restrictions on how you can or can't change people's jobs. And a lot of times that can slow down a digital transformation because that process of working through unions and getting their agreement to change jobs or whatever, um, that takes typically longer than it takes to deploy technology. So that's the sort of thing that will slow down your project and 
uh, you want to make sure you account for those issues or those uh, parameters when you're when you're planning your transformation in the first place. Gotcha. Well, thank you for you know that that insight and thank you to Dominic as well um, as it is so important in these specific industries that you understand your requirements which is why they kind of engage third stage to go through the selection and digital strategy development um, as well so um, thank you for all of that great information um, and a great episode just in general absolutely yeah thank you for uh, that conversation especially um, in, in facilitating that discussion with Dominic he's always a great guest to have on the show too and uh, look forward to having him on again as well and uh, thank you to the audience for all the great questions throughout today's episode. Uh, just as a reminder, you can find new episodes every Wednesday on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, where it streams every Wednesday at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time in the United States. And I believe that's 3 p.m. London time. Um, it's either 2 or 3 p.m. We changed our time here in the United States, so now I'm getting confused as to what time it is. But it's early afternoon European time. You can find those new episodes streaming on those platforms. You can also see it on uh, or listen to it on audio podcast platforms, too. So uh, thanks, everyone, for being here. We look forward to seeing you next week on Transformation Ground Control. Have a great week in the meantime, and we'll see you all soon. My inflections today are super weird. I don't know what I'm doing with my <laughs> They're just having yeah. random weird inflections that I usually don't do. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm doing it. You're all good. Cool. Welcome back. To... Oh, sorry. You want to do this? No. Do you want to do the, um, well, thanks so much, Dominic, for this great time. Um, well, that's weird. Great time. <laughs> that was weird. That is weird. <laughs> I had a great time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Let me try that again.